Welcome to V'ger, please. A hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm Peter. And for the very first time, we are coming to you from the same place. So as promised, we decided to do something a little special for this episode. And Peter and I have gone on this hateful journey, this hateful voyage. And uh, we haven't actually watched an episode together or recorded this in person. And so we finally decided that if of all the episodes, the one we just literally just got watched, uh, done watching like About two minutes ago, just finished was the, uh, the reason to feels good. Cause now I, I can know when you're going to say something feels weird, man. Talking <laughs> about Star Trek is usually something I do alone in the basement. So being in a room with another person, I feel <laughs> feels very odd. Uh, yeah. So for, a episode that's ultimately going to be about being everywhere at the same time uh we've uh, relocated to a very specific one place in uh, in the universe the same room to bring this podcast to you courtesy of a two and a half hour drive so which i appreciate you making by the way i i you know we we could this isn't gonna be a regular thing we wanted to do something special and we rolled the dice too because uh this is the day before thanksgiving i was really expecting some big some traffic, some traffic fuck yous, yeah. Yeah, some college traffic, but... So, season two, episode 15. The one, the only, Threshold. In honor of of Peter's method, <laughs> we made sure to uh, linger on the first shot. And uh, we are greeted with Tom Paris, seated in what's obviously a shuttlecraft Type 9, I think we determined. Yeah, fancy shuttlecraft. Yeah, nice and sleek. You know, about seats. You've got that, uh, it's not like the big butt type six. It's no. got like the extra space in the back, a little extra room, mm-hmm. you know, still looks like a holiday and express conference room, but, but while we're looking at this, uh, cockpit, I spy with my little eye, what appeared to be a Ghostbusters proton pack laying in the back. And we'll later come to find out that this is new dilithium technology. Unobtainium. Yeah. 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 And, uh, they're doing some kind of, of test of some kind of engine and they've got this not just some kind of engine they specifically say transwarp and transwarp is a big fucking deal the excelsior class starship exists because of transwarp and it's this real weird thing like it's always been the next stage of you know star trek warp technology what is transwarp exactly what does it represent was transwarp ever successful or did they completely scrub it out of the excelsior program at some point so put your nerd hat on for a minute. Warp speed has changed in the Star Trek universe. If you watch the original series, the numbers they use don't match up to anything that you're going to see in 24th century Berman Trek. Um, so at some point they kind of recalibrated the whole warp scale and the end result that I'm the most familiar with. And I think most of you guys, the TNG warp scale, you can get up to like warp. I forget what the galaxy class can do if they can go like 9.5. Yes, I believe so. But you can't go warp 10 because physics, basically. Yeah, warp 10 represents a theoretical maximum speed. Like, the closer that you can get to 10, the faster you're going, but you can't exceed 10. Like, for us in normal, real physics, it's like the speed of light. Mm -hmm. You can't break that barrier. You can only uh, approach it faster and faster and faster and faster. So, that's the general idea behind it. So the reason I bring up Transwarp and Excelsior is this was like Federation tech that 
you know, again, was the test bed of the Excelsior starships. Um, Scotty Sabotage is it, which episode? Which it was, was uh, it was uh, Search for Spock. Okay, so Scotty Sabotage is it. They go to kick transwarp on to catch the Enterprise speeding away from Starbase, and the whole thing just breaks down like a you know an old car. Yep. But I'm I'm curious if they do perfect what they call transwarp, and that's what recalibrates the scale of warp that we see in next gen. Yeah, they didn't really flesh out what transwarp meant in that movie, right. and so it very well could have just been some turn of phrase to describe a next generation warp drive right. that is able to go faster, not break theoretical limits of physics, which is what we're talking about specifically. Yeah. This, this trans warp is go warp 10. And as we will find out just a scene later, what they mean by that is go ludicrous speed, go to plaid, be everywhere at the same time, break physics. It's uh, and we're going to talk about it a few times, probably. In uh, Event Horizon, you know, what is the fastest path between two points? And it is folding a piece of paper over and poking a pencil through, and it's just being there simultaneously. And that's that's essentially what we're talking about. This is a big Event Horizon episode, minus some eyeballs getting clawed out in sodomy. I, I would, hey, we don't actually know if sodomy was part of what happened in the last five minutes. But uh, oh, I thought you said part of Event Horizon. I'm like, absolutely, sodomy was. A <laughs> That's like the tip of the the hell iceberg. Yeah, there might there might have been some butt sex in this one too. I don't know. You never know. Um, I I would say this was PG Event Horizon would be the way I would describe it yeah. for the first thirty five yeah. to forty minutes. So we open up this scene. It's Tom. He's uh pushing a shuttlecraft, and they're gonna try and break warp ten. Here's. One of my biggest complaints about this episode, you've got a shuttlecraft. So they've got some, let's, let's roll things back. At some point they land on an asteroid. They find some crazy new element, a la spider skull asteroid. Of course. Um, this time Chakotay's not around to forbid people from using tricorders. And lo and behold, they find something they can actually use. They bring it back to the ship. They say this has demonstrable value and we think we can do something. A plus Voy or yeah, Voyager, you know, we are exploiting the areas around us and we might be growing our effort to get home. Cool. We don't see any of that stuff. It's just backstory. Fine, whatever. Um, and they are, have a theory that they can break the trans warp barrier with this new technology. And they're gonna try it on a shuttlecraft first. So warp speed's hard. You know, the runabouts I think can hit maybe what, warp seven or eight? I I think that their theoretical limits warp seven from DS nine. Runabout's a big ship. Runabout can hold a couple different crew. You got lots of room for engines and containment fields and deflector dishes and whatever. The little shields, these type nines, these type twos, these type sixes, they're only supposed to be knocking around like warp four. Specifically, they say in the it's shitty house, house on, on the, the prairie, prairie. Yeah, yeah, that type nine, type nine shuttlecraft can go warp four. Sorry, if you tuned into this episode looking for comedy, you're you're getting stuck in some real Star Trek nerd bitching. They're here for both, Peter. Let's be real. <laughs> the 120 or so people who are going to listen to this, they want it all. They're okay with it. And I'm okay with it. Well, you're going to get it all. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, the shuttles, they don't go fast. And they're not built to go fast. 
<clears throat> so the premise of this episode that the bad stuff is going to happen to just a shuttlecraft is stupid because it's like you're talking about, and we joked about it before, you're talking about taking a jet engine, right, and attaching it to a cigarette and then telling someone <laughs> to sit on the cigarette and you're going to shoot them to the moon. The cigarette's not made to go five miles an hour in the wind, let alone a million miles in the wind. So it's just not that the engines aren't big on these shuttlecraft. It's a little rinky-dink hull. I mean, Kazon attack ships are blowing these things up. Like, the infrastructure's not there. Sovereign class, Intrepid class, you know, Enterprises, Voyagers, Akiras, Defiance, whatever, sure. Something that can put out the raw energy necessary to theoretically power it. And have the raw infrastructure of the ship there to support a massive engine and, you know, these big speeds. So, and I'm thinking in my head, I think the answer is, had they done it on Voyager, you would have had a much larger special effects budget for when shit hits a fan. And short of beaming everything, everyone onto a surface of a planet while Tom flies Voyager around, fine, whatever. You're doing it on a shuttlecraft. It's stupid. It doesn't fit. It's not this episode's worst crime. <laughs> I can move on. That's definitely not. Speaking of worst crimes, where is all this coffee coming from in the next scene? Yeah, it's... Apparently, they have either found some space babies to, like, pierce open and drain their precious energy from or something. But, uh, you know, Neelix is getting pretty handy with the coffee, just passing it out. Uh, They have this weird bro-down scene in the lunchroom Mm -hmm. where uh, Neelix decides to... Oh, sorry. To, to, To wrap up the shuttle scene... It was, of course, a big simulation, and as they tried to crest Warp 10, the simulation falls apart, the nacelles rip off the shuttlecraft, Tom's sitting on his ass in the holodeck, and there's Harry and Bellana looking very dejected. So they resume after credits for this uh, engineer's meeting um, in the mess hall and trying to hammer out the math on this thing. And and our filthy space cat friend Neelix, he's got to get involved. He mm-hmm. wanders by in this weird, mismatched, magic eye sailboat looking outfit with this strange apron is just delightful and tries to just kind of randomly walk by and and solve these people's problems and peter pointed out while we were watching like how many times have we seen episodes seem to hinge on Neelix wandering by people having a problem and then being able to randomly sit down and use some dumbass anecdote mm-hmm. from his from his garbage picking days, you know, like <laughs> from the inner city of the Delta Quadrant to solve some sort of massive space problem. And that's exactly what it is. Like he he comes in, tries to interject himself. And they're like, shoo, shoo, get out of here, Neelix. You wouldn't know about this. This is high end engineering. Stuff. Go shit in a box somewhere. What the fuck <laughs> you do? And he's like, uh, well, I'll have you know that uh, one time while hanging off the back of a garbage scout, grabbing residential trash cans and throwing them in, I solved the fuel crisis. Uh, but that's exactly what he says. Uh, he sits down and says, I'll have you know. And they try to ignore him. Bellana's at this table. And I'm gonna, I'm, I'm officially naming this. Neelix has a pedigree of epiphany moments. <laughs> and how dare Bellana sit there and act like she hasn't pulled... Uh, he hasn't pulled her trash theories uh, out of the dumpster and put him someplace usable. In the stupid space robot episode, like... Space camp robots are bad, yes. Yeah. She's uh, trying to come up with how to get this 
murder bot back online and he sits down and says some little hokey folksy little tale to her and oh my god that's exactly it and he looks and then she runs off and and solves a problem and i want to say it's happened a couple other times so this is this is one of neelix's um class feats i think yeah yeah he he really power games shit out of that one too because whatever his his hope uh, homey little anecdote his his hokey idea inspires uh, uh tom and and harry kind of like you know, uh, John Luke style from the John Luke, the, yeah. the, the coffee commercial, and they figure out the way to get the the shuttle to be able to hold its shit together so that they can complete the test. I thought it was cute though because they're like, oh, how do we keep the nacelles, you know, the warp tailpipes from ripping off the shuttle? And you know, it, it was kind of clever. Neelix is like, well, you know. It's not the nacelles ripping off the shuttle. It's the shuttle ripping off of the nacelles, which was, I thought, kind of clever. The the other hard thing for me to wrap my head around, and it's, you know, when TNG crew used to pull off stunts that were marvelous, you could say, all right, this is a galaxy-class vessel with a thousand scientists on it, and it's the flagship. It's the best of the best of the Federation. You've got the most advanced person in the, the Federation data there, who's like his own fucking, another ga- conscious galaxy class, whatever. Th- that's not Voyager. Voyager's like a vessel of no consequence. So to sit there and be like, these like deep, not D string, but like B string, C plus string crew guys are sitting there and overcoming physics a boundary that the yeah. best and brightest of the Federation for centuries has not been able to overcome is kind of silly. And yeah, yeah. sure, they got... Super Saiyan the lithium. Well, yes. let's let's roll call everything here. Like okay. you said, first they they happen to find, as you so adequately put, Super Saiyan the lithium. Mm-hmm. Right? They just randomly super find Saiyan. randomly find unobtainium in some fucking asteroid. Just happen to find it. Right? Well, to be fair, they okay. have established a, a history of mucking about in asteroids. But sure, sure, sure. They find this unobtainium. Mm-hmm. All right, and then which is never heard from again after this episode. A fresh out of the academy officer, Harry Kim. Harry Kim, who in an alternate reality does go and join uh, Starfleet ship design. Well, that's a pretty big feather in their hat. It, and but he he doesn't really have any practical experience. He's been busy dying in the cold drips of space, right? So he's he's like this. He's the smart Asian guy. That's part of your group project, right? Okay, like, good. all right. And then you've got known convict Tom Paris, right? Like. Whose whose only qualifications is that he seems to be the guy who can fly the ship, right? No, how dare you? He is an expert on carburetor technology. Oh yes, of course. He knows what thirty eight Fords look like. Yes. Sure, and also he is a great hollow smut programmer. It's true. So if this warp core trans warp barrier has anything that touches uh, cyber erotica or <laughs> um, combustion engines. You got a very strong leg up there. And then, of course, there is um, Balana. Who's the white trash terrorist mechanic, right? Like, who is a cybernetics expert <laughs> and also uh, the premier authority in rewiring impossible Cardassian megaweapons. <laughs> Let us not forget whatever that pooper was. So these three guys. Real, real quick. I was looking at the stats. I want to commend everybody on the audience. 
our lowest listened episode are the two Balana cyber ones. That's a stupid uh, murder torpedo and a space robot. That's game. true. They are at least listened to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I completely understand why everyone stays away from those because we actually warned people not to watch the, those episodes that those came with. Speaking of Alana, since we've sidetracked now, and I was specifically asked to bring this up, uh, a guy I work with, his wife is a nurse in a labor and delivery ward, and she said on a group chat that someone just named their kid Balana. And then one of the viewers, <laughs> Kenan, was like, you should mention that on the podcast, because I know you guys hate Balana. I'm like, we don't hate Balana. And you'd know that if you listen to all the episodes. Just, there's some real bad Balana episodes out there. Someone named their child Balana. Not as too bad as far. I mean, when my wife was doing her rounds through med school, I think there was like a, a Listerine. What the like fuck? Yeah, there's some bad ones out there. Listerine? I, I Who the fuck has an experience with Listerine? I'm like, boy, I want to name my child after this. This was such an enriching experience. I want, I want my child to be named Listerine. It's a fresh name. Fuck you. That's a minty fresh name. What the fuck? Okay, uh, and then to round out our brain trust, we have um, a guy who uh, genetically engineered cheese that made the shit. <laughs> yes, he did. He did. He, no, he didn't genetically engineer cheese. He just made cheese. You know who they're missing from this realistically? They would have said we're going to involve the doctor in this who is unlimited intelligence. I I would I would take that as a credible way to bridge this gap into impossible science. Especially since we know he gets super obsessive compulsive about new things mm -hmm. and he's trying to expand and again, his programming. Even though he's wearing a blue uniform, you could just reprovision him at any moment to any sort of engineering feat or whatever. Like that is the strongest resource in this ship. Right. It's an artificial intelligence. Yes. I and mean, it's 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 supposed to be limitless. But that, I have a little conversation I want to get into about the doctor because you mentioned something just offhand about does he have eyes and does he see through them? That just took me on this mental tangent that I want to explore later if we have time. Yes. But, and if not, we'll book a market for uh, for another deep, another episode. Deep, for a mess hall. Yeah. I think that's what we want to call it, right? Yeah, mess hall. Yeah. Deep dive, just Star Trek mess hall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they, they, they have the Eureka moment. They go, they retest it, and of course it's successful. And they're showing the, the footage of the successful te test to Chakotay and Janeway. Who are all smiles? Janeway's got that. Uh, I thought this was just a wild fantasy, but I'm seeing you guys break the laws of physics right here in this computer simulation. So let's bang this bad boy out. Let's get it done. Before they do that, there's a real Jurassic Park moment where Dr. Chakotay Malcolm leans back in his seat and poses a question that just because we might be able to do it, should we do it? Which is, of course, you know, the. You know, you're so busy, worried about whether or not you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. Um, so you've got some cautionary foreshadowing there, which completely gets thrown out the fucking window by Janeway, the learned scientist, mm -hmm. who I think of all the time she's pumped the brakes on science, uh, specifically the Balana Mommy Robot episode. Correct. Citing some, was that, I remember going back and forth. Was that Prime Directive shit or was that just Federation Doctrine? I think it was Prime Directive shit because that was the main reason why they didn't want to help the Gimp Suit robots was. They didn't know what would happen. That their design flaw 
like helping them overcome their design flaw was changing the evolution of them as a, a species. Yes. And so that was the just main justification the Janeway was given giving for not Letting allowing Balana to fix them. Right. And there's been a couple other times where she's and I, 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 I'm coming a blank right now, but she and this is an exact quote. You can't put the genie back in the bottle, uh, which is the mantra of like all mad scientists everywhere. Yes. Yes. The justification to continue to do terrible ideas. This is going to ring in my head true for the rest of the series. Right up there with murdering Tuvix is <laughs> her willingness to take fucking reason and caution and just throw it in the fucking trash because, well, we might be able to do it. So let's just let's just go for the gold. Yeah, let's just throw it up on the wall. See what sticks. Uh, we uh. Oh, don't, 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 don't you scoot us ahead of this fucking thing. (laughs) So our next scene is in Tom's quarters where he's relaxing in a nice bathrobe as we come to see it. First, it looked like he was wearing some kind of like civilian, like lederhosen slash capri pants. They look like uh, it's a, it's a blue capri leotard. But when he gets up, you definitely like his bathroom. But he's laying on this like lounge chair, right? And it looks like by the time the doorbell rings, it looks like he just turned off the holographic projection that had been riding him reverse cowgirl. <laughs> he, he's he's in the repose. Yeah. He's in he's in a uh, Hugh Hefner repose, I would call it. And it's Janeway giving him a call. Mm-hmm. You know, probably you know he's he's a little embarrassed but not like embarrassed enough to say no hey let me get a uniform on first or just pants he's like no that's cool kathy come on in yeah yeah i can lift the leg up here and you can kind of get a little little taste of the ball action here see if you see like what you see so tom's excited about what's going on and janeway's like well rightfully so because you know you're on the precipice of uh joining an elite group of uh and she starts naming off like neil armstrong and and all these very the wright brothers neil armstrong all these very important figures from aviation history and do you know who Catherine janeway of season two star trek voyager (laughs) does not mention joe uh i i can't recall peter who does she fail to mention it's an obscure person. You might not have heard of him because they didn't stay on Earth for very long before being abducted by gray aliens and Nazis and whisked off to the Delta Quadrant to be put in a um, refrigerated cooler with uh, Tackleberry. I'm talking, of course, about <laughs> Amelia fucking Earhart from the stupid 37s, the torturous season beginning of season two where Catherine Janeway basically paints herself as the biggest Amelia Earhart fangirl and president of the Amelia Earhart fan club of all time. And she's not mentioning Amelia Earhart right here. That is the biggest crime of this fucking shit can episode, man. I mean, they even met her. Yeah. She's alive. They left her on some fucking planet with Tackleberry and the Japanese guy. A planet so awesome. Our plebeian eyes were not Dane fit to view. (laughs) Totally just as like, yeah, you know, the Wright Brothers, Armstrong, Cochran, Tom Paris. Just skips, just skips Amelia Earhart. I hope what happened is that after meeting Amelia Earhart, she just hates her now. <laughs> it's like she was nearly as cool as I thought Don't she was ever meet your heroes. 
<laughs> you know what would have been really like something is if they brought Amelia Earhart along and they're like, that's cool. We'll train you to teach the sh- to fly the ship. And then like when Tom turns into a mutant and they just get him off the show. Now, Amelia, Lieutenant Amelia Earhart is the I new think pilot. I would have been sweet as if you're going to fucking have this crazy fan fiction. Let's go they all the way. Amelia Earhart on there. I turn her into a lizard. And she goes Amelia Earhart for a second time and nobody knows Amelia Earhart. <laughs> it's like, you'll be a famous aviator, Lieutenant Earhart. People will know who you are. And then, in another 60 years, there's a new sci-fi series and that picks up where Amelia Earhart ended up as a space lizard and brings her in for another terrible season two opener for whatever that show is. Anyway, not to It's get... a gift that keeps giving. I hate the 37. <laughs> so... Uh, Janeway breaks some bad news to to uh, our, our buddy Tom and that he apparently has like a 2% chance of having a brain aneurysm as a consequence of the stresses of doing the test and therefore she wants to have Harry Kim do the test. My problem with the scene is twofold. One, it strains credulity that Janeway seems to be like offended that Tom Paris doesn't like the idea of not getting to do the, uh, you know, the, the cool the, thing, the cool thing. Like, you know, be who the this, hero, you know who this guy is, right? Like he's kind of got an ego. He want, he's eager to prove himself. It was his idea. Does he did he all constitute this. as a man child. He is absolutely a man child as we will find out in this fucking episode. Because the other thing I hate about the scene is it starts the trend that we were haunted with from this point forward of having to listen to Tom Paris bitch about how hard Tom Paris's life has been, which has not actually been hard at all. His actual complaint is, as Stevie said, oh my God, my life is so difficult because everyone believed in me. Everyone had high expectations that I would do all these great things and that made my life so hard. He goes through this like three fucking different times. And he let, says, literally, you know, I was promised to do great things by my father, my teachers, my co-students. I deserve this, essentially. Yeah. I'm uh, entitled to be historic. And I'm not one to ring the point the finger entitlement bell, but man, it just <laughs> beats you over the head here. There's this other part of the scene where, you know, Janeway's like, you know, you got a 2% chance to die. And... Tom's basically saying, well, I got a 98% chance to do cool shit. <laughs> so I'm want to do it. Right. I feel like somewhere in here, there's an anti-vaxxer <laughs> accusation. And I'm not sure who's being the anti-vaxxer here. Is it Janeway saying there's a 2% chance that vaccination might kill you? Or is it Tom saying that, the, you know... Uh, there's a 98% chance I won't get measles. Yeah. So I don't need it. I don't know who it is either. You can make either case. Someone here is an anti-vaxxer. So, so feel free to take to the trauma support group and point that anti-vaxxer finger, whoever you see fit. I think uh, everybody could be a little bit right here. It's a funky scene because, yeah, Tom acting like a petulant bitch, it really turns Janeway off. Uh, but by the end, she, like, warms up to it. Like, you know, if she were to come out of this and say, look, I can't risk resources. And if you die at the helm of this thing, I'm going to be down a shuttlecraft I'm going to be down one of my senior officers in a bridge crew, an important part of this, and I'm not willing to condone this. Then I could get behind what she's saying, and I think that Tom could. But she's just coming to him saying, hey, buddy, I recommend you don't do this because ultimately your life's in your hands and, you know, we want you to, to live or whatever. But, you know, it, it's it's do your own thing. 
And Tom, you know, says, I don't care about the risks. I want to do this. It's important to me. And she's just like, okay, cool. We're behind you 100%. Like, well, what's the point of the fucking scene? Then? Uh, the whole point of the scene was so that Tom could have monologue about how hard his life has been. I mean, that's what makes it so stupid. It's is... more daddy issues, man. And it's daddy yeah. issues out of Chakotay that I hate. It's daddy issues out of Balana that I don't care about. Like, these people... They, and, they they shoehorn on these scenes in at weird times, I think, and it detracts. The the only, I mean, as much as we have hated Chakotay and Bolana's daddy issue side stories. This feels kind of legitimate. Yeah, like there's at least something going on there. Like they had formative experiences that were traumatic for them in some way. Chakotay's dad gets killed and he, he becomes a terrorist. I would say and, it's legitimate victimizations until you get to Tom, who's just a bitch. Yeah. Tom's complaint about his life is that much was expected of him and he fucked it up. And yeah, that's it. Like I was supposed to do great things and then I fucked up my Starfleet career and then I fucked up being a terrorist and now everyone thinks I'm a fuck up. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like that's sounds legit. Welcome Seems to good. Being, welcome to being a, a convict. One of the other big annoying parts in this scene. Um, hey, trans warp travel might be really really dangerous and uh, it could kill you and it's unproven technology and all this other theoretical stuff legitimate concerns the doctor is worried about this well how about this it's the same as when we get around to uh chuck mcgill and the space juggalos and any other scene put the fucking doctor on the ship this guy has infinite wisdom you could teach him to be just as good of a pilot as tom put his program over on the shuttlecraft you know, if it's good enough to do trans-warp drive, it's good enough to hold his program. Oh, sure. Let him pilot the fucking ship. And uh, if the, sh you know, shuttle blows up, you you restore his program over there um, or whatever. It just, it's it's the fundamental problem with AI. With, like, whenever you have an, an artificial intelligence-related character, you can start to go down these roads constantly. Well, like, you know, they, they put it out there with this hologram character. And sometimes they do. Sometimes they say it's too dangerous to go back around the space clown, you know, the juggalo uh, death box. Send the doctor. It's too dangerous to go into the holodeck because uh, Grendel's killing people. Send the doctor. Like, he's been the perfect guinea pig and they've used him. And I feel that they have taken a very important tool of danger and crew exposure uh off the story writer's table and you hit stuff like this and there's no good reason why they don't do it, but whatever. But they don't do that. Tom ultimately convinces the captain to let him do the test. They do the test. So the, we get a cool effect of both the shuttlecraft and the ship going to warp. I'll give them that. That was a cool exterior shot seeing the shuttle. They depressurize that shuttle. Bay. That's there to stay. I don't, you have force fields. There's no reason to depressurize these shuttle bays. Yeah. When the Kazon attack, in basics, they raid through the shuttle bays. You know why? Because they're pressurized like the rest of the ship. So when you force the door open, it's going to depressure. How are they getting... Like you said, it has a force field. It doesn't need to do this. It's very strange. But they say it again, and, and they go to, to, to warp. And sure enough, the, the tiny cigarette with the rocket <laughs> attached to it accelerates to top speed. And... Cracks the warp ten barrier, and I think I'm I'm willing to say that there's a part of this episode, parts of this episode that independently kind of work. 
And the parts of the episode that work is when they start to dip their toe into the physics-breaking space madness, as we said, Event Horizon-esque stuff. Lovecraftian shit. Lovecraftian shit that they just, they kind of dip their toe in just a bit to say, you have done something that should not have been done. And now here is an unexpected consequence that is dramatic and painful as a consequence of doing it. Before we go any deeper, a uh, couple things. First of all, uh, you know, as all of you know, I'm sure, Threshold is regarded as one of the worst Star Trek episodes of all time. Yes, it is. Um, and I'm going to have some of my own thoughts on it that are, you know, might be wildly divergent, but eh, fuck it, I'll just get on with it. I think everything up to the last five minutes of this, I wouldn't say is great Star Trek in a very established lore canon heavy universe as star trek i would say it's all good sci-fi uh minus and uh, tom um paris man just terrible terrible acting the deeper we get into this starting with his hissy fit in his quarters but yeah he, he drags the whole thing down dramatically some check i feel like he's checked out really so you cut his bad acting out everything like i said up through this point Pretty good sci-fi, and I'm I'm behind it. I'm feeling it. It's, it's all building up to a big industrial accident. You know, I like those. So you got that going in the background. Uh, we did get a great revelation. Now, we're watching this after Basics. All of Season 2 has already occurred. We are watching Threshold out of, out of place, and that means something very special, that uh, we have a guest reappearance by everybody's favorite uh, treacherous traitor, um, was his name Mike Jonas? Yes. Crewman, Mike, Crewman Jonas. Crewman Michael Jonas. Who is sitting there wild-eyed and guilty-looking as fuck as always. Just while... slowly rising a plasma torch into the, like, just like just turning it on and looking at different He's crew members. He's looking over his shoulder in these meetings in engineering where they're discussing the benefits of trans war drive. I mean, he might as well have, like, a fucking recorder that he's reaching over his shoulder and like trying to like take pictures and record conversations so he can snitch back to the Kazons. Um, when they launch the shuttle out of the bay, uh, they cut to the, you, I've never seen this shot in engineering before. Balana and Jonas are on the upper deck of the engineering floor, um, working at a panel behind them is that red, uh, railinged, glass platform area that's open in the middle it is the exact place where neelix beats jonas's ass and then throws him over the railing into space hell that is correct it is the exact spot where jonas will eventually die yes we've uh we've labeled this shot um we're gonna go with foreshadowing but because the hell mouth opens behind him it's uh aft shadowing (laughs) solid excellent so uh, transwarp's a big deal. You're going to be everywhere at once. This is a new level of human achievement. I think this would have been the perfect point uh, to bust out Q. Yeah. So the Tom does the 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 the, the test successfully in the in the um, in the shuttlecraft. It you does want the real one. Yeah, it doesn't in the shuttlecraft, and they lose track of him. And then they find him, and they beam him back on into into the um, sick bay. 
He appears to be fine, according to the doctor. Well, he's just before asleep. that even happens, when he disappears off the radar, like they get him up and he hits transorp. He's like, I'm doing it. And then there's a crackle. And they're like, oh, we lost him. And there's this look of shock around the bridge. Like, oh my God, this guy has gone beyond the theoretical limits of physics. What a shocker that we can't perceive <laughs> him with him. our regular old sensors that don't work half the time. Yeah, like, Harry, how are you confused at the fact that something that now goes beyond our understanding of science may not be able to be detected by science? Yeah, that's something that is now everywhere at once uh, is able to mimic the same properties as regular old uh, Romulan fucking cloaking device. <laughs> like, yeah, no shit, like, something's weird. But he comes back. He appears to be fine. He just is sleeping, and there's this weird comic beat where he just gets woken up by the doctor by yelling in his ear. And uh, you're right. Like, at that point, Q's showing up and be like, congrats! Yeah, this is I'm terrible. Saying... <laughs> <laughs> Twofold. Two perfect places. One, Q showing up right before he hits transwarp and just snapping his fingers and destroying all that lithium and saying, you know what, guys? There's a script and you're not sticking to it. Trust me, this is the wrong time for this. Remember how I showed you the board because it was bad and it really like helped you out big time? This is the second time I'm doing this for you. See in a couple of millennia. One good use of Q. Two, what you're saying right now, just shit has hit the fan and it is just going to go straight off into the direction of lulls and Q should not be like, I've been waiting for this, guys. <laughs> When I said that you, this was an inconsequential ship that nobody cared about and, you know, you shouldn't be, I was lying. This ship's a big fucking deal. Just wait for the horrors that await you. By the way, Janeway, I brought you a diaper cake. <laughs> diaper cakes, for those of you who have not had a uh, maternity shower yet, are what you give pregnant women because there's a lot of poop coming through. <laughs> So neither happens. And unfortunately we are left with more whinging from from Tom as time goes on because Tom his his recollection of uh of space in transwarp is interesting. Yeah, he talks about he realizes that he's everywhere at the same time and he can perceive everything, he can see everything at the same time. And the only good bit of acting that Robert Duncan McNeil does, I think, is when he is describing it and then admits that he can't accurately describe it. You buy what he's selling. Exactly. And so it works. And his explanation of why he came back was, well, I could also see that you were looking for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I saw your conversation on the bridge, so I took the ship out of and came back. Like, yes. like you, you, you grasp that he momentarily grasped the infinite and that he cannot remember grasping it because it's because Fading. it was infinite. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a classic space horror, sci-fi horror. I can see infinity, and it's the early stage before you know the eyes go too wide and it becomes terrifying. So he had just a taste. It's fading quick. He wants more, and when uh, Kim and Bellana show up to you know pat him on the back and say, "Hey, you know, you did a great job." He's like, great, let's grab all the telemetry data out of the shuttle and get ready for the next plan. The doctor's like, hey, chill out. Uh, I want to run tests on you. And I'm going to put a lot of blame on the doctor this episode. There have been some unforeseen consequences already with him blacking out. I, th I would have to think that there's better 
protocols in place, starting with a fucking quarantine. God only knows what, <laughs> again, on the event horizon line. Yeah. He has perhaps interfaced with hell. A la doom. <laughs> I mean, people don't just blink out of existence when you reach the next stage of technology. You gotta, he was everywhere at the same time, which means he was in every nasty space vagina from there to the alpha quadrant and every other galaxy. He came back with, you know, like super STDs. Yeah. You never Caretaker know. Caretaker AIDS got nothing on him. I don't want to roll back too. There's a lot of scary, mean, nasty stuff. You think all the horrors the Borg do and Dominion and all the bad guys out there doing terrible stuff and all the suffering in the galaxy. There's infinite galaxy. There's infinite suffering. And he has just perceptualized all of that in at the same time, yeah. along with all the joy and all the good. I mean, just. He did a good job describing things from like a scientist standpoint, but I think this would have been a real good Troy moment of just emotional overwash. And if anything, I would have liked for him to be woken out of this trance, gets hit with this sudden realization, have a real freak out moment and have to get like stim packed out or, you know, uh, get um, hypo sprayed out so he could give it some time, forget about it and get back on the same wavelength with everybody else. Could have had some him and Kess time. Cause she's got psychic powers. Could sure. have been like calming him down. Could have had fucking, uh, Tubok get in there and try and call him. This is a human brain just saw everything in the world at the same time. Him being springing the step, just, you know, nudge him awake. Kind of a cop out on the moment, but whatever, not the worst crime. This episode shall have no. the trial no. of threshold. The, the follow-up scene is they're in the lunchroom and it's Tom and Bellana going over all of the information about what to do, how to approach their next steps. When Tom has some of the coffee, the mysterious coffee they got from the new Paris blend, the new Paris blend, the mysterious coffee that is not coming out of the whatever. It says it's bad and it tastes terrible. I thought that was cool. Well, just that he the little shit foreshadowing that he's like, oh, this is terrible, and then put it down. The fact that the coffee's fine, and what's wrong is his mouth is realigning itself, and he's becoming allergic to water, and that's you know the the real onset of uh, some very deep and disturbing physical mutations he's going to go through. They do uh, tease it with that little line, and then he collapses in pain, uh, saying that coffee did it to him. But he looks like he's got a poop. <laughs> It, suddenly he's got this blue line on his face. They get him to sick bay and he's getting worse and worse. And they wind up having to give him a different atmosphere to breathe because he is mutating. Yeah. So uh, they, he, he knocks a table over and luckily for Voyager, they don't have the glass tables that the enterprise did. Otherwise yeah. there have been broken glass everywhere. But Belana gets down and she's like, Oh God, Tom, what's wrong? Um, and she doesn't actually say God. It might not be this point. No, she says it later, later, yeah. But that really stood out. I've not heard any Starfleet crew invoke God. He knocks a table over. She calls medical emergency. She says, uh, I need a site-to-site transport to sickbay, and transporter can't lock on him. Some real shit's going on here. They get a medical crew down. She gets him into sickbay. She tells a doctor. He just drinks him a Neelix's coffee. The doctor, acknowledging that Neelix is a lulzy saboteur, <laughs> says, well, that's the reason why. Yeah, he's lucky to be lit alive or something like that. He remembers the cheese incident. Of course. Um, 
But yeah, the you know Tom's physically mutating. The cilia in his lungs are fusing, and he cannot process oxygen anymore. And then the doctor backs. This is like the big operating corner of the med bay of the sick bay. Uh, he erects a security field, uh, and from henceforth, we're going to call this the Tuvok Real Talk Corner. Yes, this is where Tuvok had the cereal boxes taped to his head when he was a. Uh, Disabled from being um, Vulcan, logically disabled. Yes, and real talk, the captain, real hard, much to my delight. Oh yes. Um. So they, this is also where Tuvok, or sorry, Tuvix was executed. That is true. Well, actually, no, Tuvix was executed on just one of the beds. Oh yeah, the bed. He had front row seats. He didn't get put. We joke about being sent to the gas chamber in uh, in sick bay. It literally is a gas chamber. <laughs> Had I seen this episode in actually sequential, you know, 15, I would have known it's true. They put up a force field, they suck all the air out, and they fill it up with fucking poison gas. They do. But that poison gas lets um, Paris breathe. And Now he's got, like, some guy liner on. He's got a bunch of shit, like, blue lines on his forehead. It's like his veins are popping. Yeah. And uh, he starts, we get more whinging about his life not being what he wanted it to be his hair is real greasy and sl- like heavy his hair looks terrible so you know tom's having a very bad time it's at this moment where his body is rapidly mutating and breaking down it seems as though he's going to die he's giving his death rattle off mm-hmm. and it dawns on me gee if only there was some sort of amazing technology that could put tom's body into stasis and allow his brain <laughs> to continue functioning like some Forbidden Juggalo tech, which shall not be named. <laughs> Shit, you don't even need Juggalo tech. You could just use the turn him into a hologram for a while tech. Absolutely. That, that they use for Dr. <laughs> Pell. I mean, come on. But I guess that technically happened after, so. So did Juggalo tech, too, I think. But uh, what we get is. Do you think Tom uh, Paris would have tried to fuck the clown? No. No, he's too much man. I mean, I know he went to prison, but he seems to be he's a lady expert exclusive. He's an hollow programmer. True. He could have gotten into the asteroid deep sleep chamber. He could have reprogrammed Chuck McGill into like, I don't know, Skyler from Better Call Saul, you know, Breaking Bad. <laughs> you were trying to name like the actress that like some actress from Better from Better Call Saul or, or Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. He could have reprogrammed the clown into a she clown and then. And then that, there you got it. Like I think that it's it's a gender. I think it would be a gender got, barrier. For you him. know what? They're afraid of the spinoff series, man. Had they put them in that, they would have lost Tom to the show forever, and he would have been in his new Tom's crazy sex party adventure. It could have been like a Pee Wee Herman kids show. They go back in. They think it's going to be like a horror show, like before, and instead it's like Three's Company. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's just like a swingers paradise in there. Tom's just hey guys, mm-hmm. I got my sexy neighbors. During this time in Medbay 2, the doctor makes a point to walk through the force field. And this is, let's, I think this might be a good time for us to talk about what the doctor yeah. should do. Let's so the doctor walks through the force field, the force field dings. And I'm like, why does the doctor walk anywhere in Medbay? If he's dealing with potentially triaging an entire ship of fucked up people, he should just be snap teleporting between beds and wherever. Yeah, and this is where your point of... Does the doctor actually have eyes? There's a scene later on where the doctor's working in the dark or dimness. And it's like, well, does lighting really even bother him? Because does he see through his eyes or does he see through sensors in the room? Here is my take. Uh, I think it encompasses all of these general questions. 
the doctor is a program that is intended to simulate being a human, right? Like the entire experience of the doctor as an EMH is we want to give the ship a person that is going to act like a doctor who is a person. Mm -hmm. And so this doctor persona is going to have the limitations of human existence because the whole point is that we want to make this a familiar experience for the crew members that have to interact with them. Right. Yeah. So as a consequence, he's going to walk around and not teleport. He's going to react to things as if he had normal human sensory constraints, Can, you know, like even though organs. he does say like he doesn't need to have a telescope because his eyesight's so good. But that's like within the parameters sure. of those rules. It's like an agent. Yeah. He can bend the rules, but he can't break them. That's actually a great way of putting it. Like an agent in the Matrix. Let me do you one better too. <clears throat> Say that he's got uh, certain revelries or whatever. If we're going to go to the Westworld. When in uh, Deathlock, shit starts getting so bad, he actually rolls his sleeves up. That shouldn't bother him at all. I made a big deal out of why does a holographic doctor have to roll his holographic sleeves up? If I was programming him and... I needed to have confidence in my caregiver and there was a room full of half dead people. Him rolling his sleeves up would reinforce the fact that this guy's about to start busting his ass. And I feel a little bit better. Right. It's all about the experience that a person will, will, will a normal human being is going to get to interact with that and have some reaction to, and they're going to find it real off putting if this guy's like blinking around and, but man, you know what? Talk, if he's and like only... talking out of the back of his head or some yeah. shit like that. And this is bigger things too. If he is only getting pulled out for the oh shit moments, blink that motherfucker around so he can get maximum thing. Let him spawn six more arms. <laughs> I mean, he could be rolling around with uh, someone who's very important in my life on a spiritual level, which would be Hexter, the six arm god of <laughs> war. And the suffering, you know, give it, be in there like Goro moving around six hypo sprays at once. Uh, but yeah, Tom's hair is all glued down. He's having a bad time. On the flip side, Kess is looking very fetching. Yeah, she's super elf-like. She's got an outfit that's straight out of Rivendale. Like, it's got this kind of sash look mm -hmm. in the middle. Her hair and, and, and ear game is, is on point. It's she's, the most space elf she has ever looked, and it is in all the right ways. It is. It is. She looks downright beautiful. E ethereal. Yes. That's how I would describe it. An yeah. ethereal space elf. And uh, Tom's one of Tom's last requests is a quick makeout sesh that she has to take a pass on. He also goes and spills the goods that he lost the uh, virginity. It's 17. Pop, that's a good age, by the way. <laughs> I can tell age. you from personal experience, 17 is the right age to lose it. That's good. That's yeah. good. I'm glad. I'm glad you have this, this Tom Paris you, commonality. You and the other hundred people. <laughs> you got. It. I won't tell anybody. It's mine. It's my promise. The real drag on this, though. So Tom's dying. He's giving his death rattle, and it is. It's just fucking terrible. This is like Harry Kim. It might have been Harry Kim who was on the shuttle and died because this is this is Harry Kim acting antics here. I don't buy that he feels his life's in any real danger. I'm not feeling any real desperation. No regret. It's like someone's laying on the table who doesn't want to be there at work today and is reading the line so they're not being yelled at. Or perhaps it feels like they were just scolded by the director for going off script. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fine, fuck it. You want it this way? We'll do it. Oh, woe is me. You know, I lost my virginity when I was 17. I did. If you if you skip back 
call Starfleet and tell my dad, uh, tell my dad that I, I did it. Like, it is just flat shit. And, and it's not only just flat shit, it's the same shitty writing of my life is so hard because everything was awesome. Which makes no fucking sense. You know, like, I look back at Stevie every time I say that because she's the one that, that brought it up. Like, this is two of the second of three times he does this. In this, oh, I'm sorry, four times mm-hmm. if you count the end. Yeah. And every time it's just like, shut the fuck up, Tom. Yeah. You're the you like you said before, you're not the kind of person to ring the privilege bell. Yeah. Neither am I. Like, neither of us like that stuff. But this motherfucker is hashtag space white privilege. Oh yeah. That is the only way I can describe what he does. Uh, to move it to move us along a little bit. God, I don't I think we should go long on this one. <laughs> we built it up too long, and this is just a fucking treasure trove of it shit. It is. Just just to move us along a little bit. Tom, you can't see it, but I'm doing air quotes. Tom dies. It's very tragic. Of a vicious, crazy mutation from God knows where. And wouldn't you know that fucking doctor (laughs) evacuates all the air off of that, drops the containment field, and stupid Kess walks her super suicidal ass into the gas chamber and puts her mouth on his mutant fish face and kisses him. There is no quarantine on this at all. This guy just died of crazy space horror death. Yes. yes. He should be he should be taken to a bonfire and fucking burned before the whole crew turns into zombies. Yes. Okay? He should have been jettisoned outside of the ship and then shot with the proton torpedo. Because this is like, what's what's the fucking like craziest, nastiest space horror? 80, what was what was the the thing? Who wrote that? Oh, John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. There's like Carpenter shit going. Yeah, on I was it's, it, I was gonna say actually more Cronenberg. Yes, this is very Cronenberg. <laughs> this is some Cronenberg shit, and it's only getting more Cronenbergy. And at no point do they put this guy behind any sort of like glass shield or bubble. So his goo doesn't drip onto somebody and turn him into a zombie apocalypse dredge squad. So instead, uh, we get the, the quote unquote tragic death of poor Tom. And then we get the scene where the doctor's working in the dark. He starts to hear some noises. He goes back to the unprotected, uh, un unforced field bio He's not bed. even in a refrigerated morgue. He's just laying out where he died. With the fucking sheet, like, gooping on the floor. Just, just laying there. Probably ah. shit his pants. I want to <laughs> pause things for a moment. Joe did come up with a very valid point. Like, what do they do with the crew men on this ship? Do they jettison them off in the space? We've, we've come up with a new concept. We're going to call it the Vidian toll change. Yes. So... When you're passing along toll roads through Vidian highways, you have to pull off and pay your toll to get in there. You just shove dead crewmen out there for spare organs in there. Hey, yeah, it's like it's like you know, everyone's got that that bin of change in their car mm-hmm. to pay for tolls, you know. <laughs> so they're like, hey, we've got these leftover body parts from you know Lon Suter. Uh, Lon Suter murdered <laughs> people. It's an arm. It's part of the head. It's uh, hey. you know what's left of some guy's face after a console explosion. Come on, you can get some use out of it. This is barely used. It's just it's got just a few miles on it. Native is very important about using all parts of the whale. 
There you go. There you go. Voyager uses all of the buffalo. I mm-hmm. like it. Or all Tom of the dead crew members. wanted us to use his body as Vidian whole change. So, uh, and I'm sure you're shocked and a, a, you're, you're never never going to guess, but did you know that somehow, someway, Tom Paris is still alive? I do know that because as he reaches his cold, one-stead hand up slowly, it looks 100% like he's coming up slow motion to flip the doctor off. <laughs> Go back, rewatch it. There's no way to look at this other way than, than a flip off. Instead, he grabs a chunk of his hair as his first... And I'm going to go ahead and point out right now, um, Tom was dead. Tom's soul was gone. Okay. If yeah, Transwarp yeah. did not already kill his soul. <laughs> yeah. He's been desold. He's been desold. Okay. So, fair. Um, fair. Another good reason to have Q in here would have been to give that back to him. But he doesn't give it. Tom is now on Team No Soul. Rips a chunk of his hair. I was like, oh, what's going on? And the doctor's like, uh, blue screen. <laughs> it's like, I have a very awkward voicemail to leave everyone. You know, <laughs> they fit a lot of stuff in this episode. There is no crew reaction to Tom dying. There's no None. Bellana coming up and shedding a tear. There's no BFF Kim in there shedding a tear. All you get was Kess foolishly fucking kissing his his mutant contagion face. So I think you got some missed chances there, but whatever. They cut to uh, Janeway coming to sickbay and the doctor saying, yo, um... He's mutating. He's growing new organs. He's got like two hearts. Talking crazy. He's he's got all kinds of shit happening, and now his personality's shifting. It's it's a bad time. We're still trying to figure it out. But if you want to talk to him, you can. But it's gonna be a little messed up because you know he's getting neuro new neural impulses every second. You know, like every second he's changing. And so they cut to Janeway approaching. The containment area. Going to the gas chamber. Going to the gas chamber, and there's Tom. And so it's worthwhile to point out at this point, this isn't just Star Trek Voyager episode season two, uh, episode 15 15 threshold. It is Emmy award winning. Not nominated. Award winning. The worst episode of Star Trek by most opinion. Has an Emmy for makeup. And we start to see why in the next scene, because what Tom looks like is if, like, Deadpool and Mastermind had a baby. He's got this this flaky giant head that's got this cool pulsing effect going on, like, in his, kind of where his, like, his brain is. Where his temples are. I'm going to say he looks like if Neelix got his head shaved and then his ass beat and then tried to show up to the party like massive head wound Harry <laughs> with these flaps of skin blown around and his fingers fusing together. It's fucking gross. It's gross. It's crusty. It's nasty. And I can see why it got an Emmy. Yeah. It's absolutely. really, it's the best makeup I've seen on Star Trek. And again, I'm going to, I'm going to go on record right now. Uh, listeners up to this point, some shitty uh, Duncan McNeil acting aside that felt very phoned in. I'm on board with this episode. You have fucked with with theoretical laws. You This is a story. Cut all the Star Trek out of this, right? And you make this a Black Mirror or, a you know, some Abrams movie, whatever. Enlightened space scientists pushing the envelope on the edges of known space. And... 
bad stuff has started happening and humanity is falling apart. You got me. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. The the idea that Star Trek would dip a toe into the event horizon-esque. Mm-hmm. You, you, you went to warp without a Geller Field type yep. of yep. storytelling um, is interesting in of itself. This particular episode up to this point has been weighed down by a bunch Flat of crap. Too, yeah. You know, like Flatliners, another great example of the concept. Um, this has been weighed down by crap, but there are some elements that are not bad. At least, at least salvaging the enjoyment of the episode. I'm taking this over most of last season. I mean, we'll sit yeah. there and do a full count on it. Um, but as this is the Tuvok Real Talk Corner, um, in addition to Tom's fucked up visage, uh, he's starting to think crazy. He's starting to think real highly of himself, despite the fact he looks like fish poop. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's steering kind of this pitiful conversation about, like, you know, I look bad and this and that. But he's got that glimmer old Tom in him. And then uh, he starts accusing everybody of everything bad. You uh, admit it, Captain. You know, you're happy that I'm dying. You hate having a convict around. Everybody looks at me with contempt. Well, guess what? I'm better than some real... I would say this is where his acting starts to warm up for me. I think this spring into hostility uh, feels pretty pretty legit. He acts well through the makeup, which maybe that's helping him, that he's got to like get through the makeup and so his intensity level goes up. I'm going to call it more that he feels invested in what's happening at this point. Dying on the bed felt phoned in. Him going crazy, I think, was fun, and, and that's what got him to start punching it up here what was really weird to me was somehow janeway responding to that with well then f- fine fuck you then she knows this guy has space madness for real like you just one look at him and go fuck you are that super fucked up i am so sorry he's telling her off and his head is like pulsing a good inch off of his skull on either side the doctor told her he is crazy and she walks in there like a fucking scientist like Oh, well, you insulted me mildly. And she says the same shit she says to Lon Suter, which is like, uh, you know, basically, we're done here. And just turns this real fucking cold shoulder and goes to leave. And then Tom throws this mercy thing like, please don't leave. I'm scared. I know you guys are trying to do the best. And she starts to warm up and she gets starts walking closer towards the Tuvok Real Talk corner. And in a Tuvok Real Talk moment, (laughs) Tom lunges at her ass. And hits a security field there and bounces off. And it's clear that uh, Tom needs help. Yes, he does need help. But fortunately for him, he's got obviously super scientist friends who have come up with a way to potentially help him. So what the doctor has determined is that if they destroy the mutant DNA, the original DNA in Tom's body will reassert itself and rewrite his body back to the way it's supposed to be. But to do that, they need to put him in a containment unit next to the warp core because everything has to happen directly next to the warp core that's dangerous. It is the biggest industrial sludge pump out there. And if you're going to go with any sort of uh, toxic Avenger stuff, like having Secret of the Ooze on tap, <laughs> pretty helpful. And um, they're going to they're gonna burst anti-protons and like basically like r- destroy his shitty like cells. Like super chemo. Like, yeah, like super chemo, super, super radiation therapy. We're sitting an hour, five minutes into this podcast, so I don't want to go into it, but I've developed a theory that the transport is the ultimate medical tool. If you've got a blueprint 
of what people should be. You can take them at any point. If, if Joe's arm got cut off and the dermal regenerator couldn't fix it, I could have Joe hold his arm, beam him out, and just reassemble all those parts back into the right pieces. A transporter really, you know, the same way they fixed, fixed, listen to me fucking apologizing for Janeway's murder. The same way they <laughs> murdered Tuvix and reassembled Tuvok and Neelix. Uh, you know, that's seemed like the right way to go. We can talk about the healing properties of the miracle transporter later, but yeah, so they want to, they want to pump them up for some chemo. They start the process of giving him the chemo. It's not working as quickly as the doctor would like. And, and meanwhile, Tom has gone to full reptile mode. He's like full blown Ninja Turtle. Yeah. He's like, he's like the Ninja Turtles sort of deformed cousin. He looks like the snapping Ninja Turtle in yeah, Secret of the like Wolfman yeah. and, and the other guy. I was going to say, like a Ninja Turtle, but like from West Virginia. There was also a real quick point I want to get in here. The doctor's like, Tom needs help now. We need to hook him up to the warp engine. Balana says, and this this sucked because this undid a good part of Balana. Balana's like, it's going to take me three hours to do this. And he says, he's going to die within one hour, so you need to do it in one hour. And Balana caves. And that was like the biggest... Bad, pat on the back we gave Bolana was she's not in the Scotty trap of overestimating and then undercutting herself. She said, if I told you it's going to be three hours, it's going to be three hours. So that was a real thumbs down for me. Uh, but we got Ninja Turtle Tom. He's locked into this uh, this iron lung. And yep. they're, they're, they're trying to radiate him. And sure enough, what happens? He... He starts to break loose from the flimsiest fucking locks. They zoom into this fucking iron lung, and it looks like some spray-painted cardboard <laughs> oh, pressed does. together. They didn't even, like, tape it down. It's just loose. He, You don't see the fight that breaks out no, as he breaks better. out. It's just this monitor. And this is where, where uh, Bolana says, oh, God. Yes. And he busts out, and I don't know why the engineering crew did not have one of the regulation pipes handy. <laughs> Like, instead, they're using phasers next to the fucking warp core, which seems somehow more dangerous to They didn't me. watch Aliens. <laughs> no, they did not. And you don't see the fight, but you see that basically Tom must have laid everyone out down there. You see phaser shots going, like, left and right and people screaming. I think what happened was Tom grabbed the pipe, they grabbed the phasers, and he just clubbed everybody up. Yeah. Had Suter been still on duty, might have been a different conclusion. This was actually a really cool shot. And, uh... I think when they use the intercom on the ship, it's usually lame. But this one, seeing the 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 effects of a fight were cooler than seeing actually a Ninja Turtle get some asses. Uh, the eventually, Tom managed to get his hands on a on a gat and blew up a plasma conduit down there. Oh, about why we don't use phasers in engineering. <laughs> yeah, not to mention the. Uh, plasma infernal hellmouth that's waiting to form right there on the main deck, and it disables power to the ship. And so everyone's like, "What the fuck is going on?" Tom got loose. Something's happened, and they let the captain know who's somewhere in the ship, not on the bridge, not where she like this critical. She 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 Catherine Janeway refuses to poop on the bridge toilet, and she will only poop in the comfort of her own quarters. <laughs> so she's coming back from taking her shit in her quarters, mm -hmm. and can't fault her. Yeah, Same she's way. going to the turbo lift, and she hears a breathy turtle behind her. Some wet, labored breathing. She tries to, like, cross-draw her gat and mm. come around with it, 
And unfortunately, she falls victim to what everyone in Star Trek falls victim to, and that's falling onto the ground as she gets bear-hugged. She doesn't get bear-hugged. She gets bear-slapped. He he body-splashes her like it's WWF. She hits the floor of the um, turbo lift, and she's just out Instantly cold. unconscious. We're going to call Instantly. this... We're going to call this uh, shell shock. <laughs> and uh, what proceeds from this point forward is nothing less than IRL space madness made manifest in front of us on our television. There was a part uh, prior to the decision to put him in the chemo lung where Tom starts talking about the past and the present are in the future and the future is in the past. I can see everything. He is full-blown space madness. He has a fractured mind that has seen everything and is fundamentally flawed at this point. It's believable. He's talking about that he needs to leave the ship to go where you don't know. And this is something that we've touched on in TNG plenty of times. Think about the John Doe healing episode where... There's the guy, and uh, he's being persecuted by authoritarian government, and he needs to come back. He looks like space Jesus. He can heal wounds. And eventually he transmorphs into the next level of their existence and turns into sunlight and flies away after, I think he saves Worf's life, doesn't he? Worf dies at the end of that. Yeah. So we've seen this before. When you super accelerate your, your evolution... You want to leave. You can't be on the starship. He wants to leave. Nobody knows where. This is why we got to see him, whatever. Um, so he has shell-shocked the captain. Um, they know that there was phaser fire somewhere. <laughs> and it's got to just be an ongoing thing. Because it's like Chakotay and uh, and Kim talking about it. It's like, oh, none of Tuvok's security teams are in place near that. Tuvok's people are never in the right place. Tuvok's protocols are never in the right place. Forget about Tuvok. There's no security on this fucking ship. I bet you, I bet you, Seska's codes are still. I was just about to say, like, you know, it's given how many times Seska runs game on him to this point in the series. Like, mm-hmm. if if he actually had his people in the right place, that would have been a bigger shock. A cardboard cutout of Paul Blart is a better. <laughs> he needs to summon mall cops. He yeah. needs some backup on segways. And Tom takes the shell shocked captain to the shuttlecraft with the with the uh, proton pack in it. And, Called the Cochrane, by the way, fittingly, and books it out of the uh, out of out of Voyager, and immediately goes oh, to high no, 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 I'm not done with Tuvok. <laughs> okay, all right. They steal the fucking shuttle. That lizard turtle Tom steals a fucking shuttlecraft out of Voyager. This is not the first time it happened. Remember when fucking Chakotay flew, locked the goddamn shuttle? Remember when the Kazon flew? No, that didn't happen yet, but it will happen. <laughs> Remember, the future is in the past. Lock the shuttles down. Take the keys out of the shuttles. <laughs> put them in a lockbox. Yeah, there's an emergency. It, you it, just grab them. It's fine. I cannot think of anything easier. I think stealing a shuttlecraft off of a Federation flagship or voyager is easier than ordering a chocolate sundae out of a replicator i mean it is just that easy so yeah he he hit he assaults abducts and then absconds with the captain easy does for lame house on the prairie part two so if only were that wholesome okay what happens next As tom gets away go to warp 10 they vanish chakotay's like Oh, fuck. What do I do? What they explain is that three days later, 
Mind you, everything that happened to Tom happened in like 24 hours. Okay. I'm going to say for the record, too, I'm still on board with this episode up to this point. Yes, I actually stopped right near where this all started to pop off just to, like, ask Peter how he was feeling about it because I knew what was going to happen. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't, like, watch the episode as very much from this point forward because I was too busy watching Peter and Stevie's reactions to it, particularly Stevie's reactions because she she didn't quite understand what what she was seeing until they they literally explained it and then it was it was suddenly like this 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 dread revelation came across her face it was beautiful three days later they just find the shuttlecraft randomly and some jungle planet what's transwarps range oh gosh that would be infinite it would be all places at all all across the entire universe so it's not like in like transwarp isn't like where Voyager is at plus three days travel. Yeah, yeah. Of all the places in all of creation that this shuttlecraft could have wound up, from the middle of a sun to a planet in a different galaxy to a different Maybe planet in this galaxy. Time. A different time. time. They even say that time and space would have no meaning, would all be melded together. Could have been a million years in the past, could have been at the Big Bang, could have been after the heat death of the universe. They could have popped in right over Picard and Q talking over the primordial goo of the formation of humanity on Earth. Instead, it happens to be at a planet that's three days away from where they already were. Convenient, but okay. <laughs> so they go there, and they, you get a shot of these two four-legged catfish. No, 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 no. They beam down, it's Chakotay. It's no, too before they beam down, oh. you get the shot. I'm sorry, my mind's already blocking this. They they take the camera over these two Fu Manchu looking catfish, catfish. with legs. So like if cat if like like if catfish were colored like Garfield the cat. And I remember Stevie did not th- like just like oh these are cute. Look at these cute little animals. You have that look on your face like that's adorable. I wonder what that's gonna mean. Was it just local flora? Must be. Then that's when Tuvok, Chakotay, and two security guards, one of which was was a, a black extra, which we have not seen before, so that was, well, there was like one other guy. It was a runoff of a rarity. We're like, oh, hey, look. Maybe this guy will be someone we get to learn the name of. Yeah, no. that would be neat. No. No. Um, beam down, they find these two lizards, and then Chakotay gets his fucking gat out and immediately just shoots both of them. And they get a tricorder out. And this is where the it's like, and then he says, my have trace. All, I, I, I feel like I have astrally projected out of my body and I'm looking at myself having this conversation. Like, it's like you went to warp 10. <laughs> when, all the, you could have came down with a long pole with a fucking net on it. The first thing you do when you see what you believe to be your captain is you just fucking shoot him in the head yeah. with your fate. Like you could have hypo sprayed him. You could have just transported him up to the fucking ship into a fishbowl. <laughs> you just show up and just bop, bop. <laughs> and they they scan the tricorder and they say traced human DNA. I still can't believe that it's them. And that's right, folks. These two catfish-looking lizards are supposed to be Tom and Catherine. I'm going to go ahead and pause it again. I'm still on board with this episode. <laughs> okay. I love that episode of Next Gen where Barkley turns into a spider. 
and Worf's like a rampaging lunatic, and I think uh, Troy was a fish and Riker was a monkey. This is not... This We have not gone too far away from established Star Trek, right? Crazy shit happens in space. The next scene is where I check out of this <laughs> So, to cap off our time here on the planet, after they've stunned the two crew members... Stun! Stun! After they shot with their fucking phasers... Shot them! Suddenly, three little tiny salamander-looking motherfuckers... No, no, no. They say, how do you know which one's a captain? And oh. Tuvok's like, well, it's the female, clearly. And, they will wo- and then, yeah, there's a fucking ditch. And three little tiny space catfish salamanders crawl out. Advanced human evolutions. And, and, and just drop themselves into a nearby pond. They crawl into some fucking sludge and what looked like some very expensive CG. And I'm like, what the fuck did I just see crawl out of this hole? And then Chakotay says... So not only Tom stole the captain, took her off to transwarp, she was able to do a full mutation, catch up with him to the point where there are these tadpole people. Correct. Fuck. Yep. Go through a full gestational cycle and poop out a litter of three advanced humans. At least. At, At least. least. That might have been the sixth batch. Who knows? <laughs> it's been three days and time These, has... Tom and Kathy could have been going at it for a while. Let's be... Okay, let's let's roll things back here. Let me try and keep hands on this thing. You say they reappeared three days away from Voyager. This could be a Back to the Future 3 scenario. Oh, yeah? They could have had all sorts of adventures across time and space spanning several years of advanced mutations until they finally reached their elderly age of Ninja Turtles and turn into these tadpole things and decide that they're going to retire back to a planet near Voyager to see their final litter of kids go off. Maybe they had their fun as advanced beings. They go, you know what? We should, we should go back to when things were simple. Being advanced guardians of the galaxy, Ninja Turtles sucks. (laughs) We're a ton of fighting the fucking, the, the hyperspace wars of tomorrow. Maybe they traveled back in time and did some Star Wars shit. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe they brought down the Sith Empire. I don't know. And they say, you know what? Let's go back to being human. We'll go back to where Voyager should be. It should be, I bet you I could pinpoint somewhere within like a three-day journey. It's been like 600 years. I'm having a hard time remembering. <laughs> I think the doctor will be able to fix us with the old uh, chemo lung. You're right, Tom. Let's go. Uh, I'm going to turn into a lizard anyways. And hey, let's go bring the kids with us back in time. <laughs> Mom! Mom! Dad! Can we go back to the future with you? You're saying that Catherine Janeway and Tom Paris has had like a a love affair that spanned centuries of interstellar conflict as they solved multiple different pop culture uh, franchises problems. I'm saying you can't prove me wrong. That's true. I can't. I'm saying this episode doesn't say it didn't happen. I, I it's much better than my original theory that these are are coincidentally three days away for no good. Yes, coincidentally, three days away from no And they don't reason. remember what happens. And that these could have been, like, you know, babies born of of illicit, compelled sexual contact. Like, you're painting a, a, a picture of well, a... We'll get, a into, we'll get into consent talk. Consent. There's, so let's consent get back, goes to a weird place here. Let's get back to Chakotay shooting helpless lizards. Yes. Okay. 
and then tells well, I want to see what the body cam footage on the Starfleet <laughs> officer shows. When these poor, when the doctor sees the the phaser burns on these, the fuck are you doing? You shot them. I still want to point out too. There's no quarantine protocols here. These guys aren't beaming down in like fucking hazmat suits. So he he go turns to Tuvok and says, "I don't know. I'm going to write this up in the log." Tuvok says, "Helpfully, I can't wait to read it." Yeah, I look forward to reading it. Which legit comedy? <laughs> like, yeah. Unlike the doctor flailing around in space, I'm like, that's okay, that's good. <laughs> Joe kills me to say this. I'm still on board with this episode. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what is wrong with you? If there were real consequences in this show, because the next scene is where I finally check out <laughs> and I have to throw this thing in the fucking trash can. The next scene is Catherine Janeway sitting there in a smock on the sick bay bed picture perfect yeah my head fucking explodes you cannot just hit control z on this <laughs> and undo this and ramrod homeostasis back into this if this was a story outside of star trek and now you've got two crewmen permanently gone to whatever this advanced thing is and you can just kill them and dissect them and learn sure had these been two other rando crew members that this happened to that just got introduced for this episode and they were not coming back from wherever this was, sure. But to wave the magic fucking reset wand and now Janeway and Paris are there, hair's perfect, not a single one out of place, everything is just the way it was, smirky fun, quirky dialogue, joking around about having sex and lizard babies that are out there doing God knows what... <laughs> hatching a plan to fucking come back to the alpha quadrant and enslave the human race literal lizard people okay that's where these claims came from there's the truth is out there if it was anybody else if you would have wrote and written janeway and paris off the show and that was their crazy ass ending that was their skin of evil episode all right man that's what happens when you break the fucking rules of law if q would have shown up and said, boy, wasn't that a ride? <laughs> and then Q wave his magic wand and fix it. Sure. But these crazy theoretical monstrosities and the fucking hologram doctor just boop, done. Not even a slight, like, flake. Like, all that nastiness that we saw in, like, mid-transition. Fuck caretaker leprosy. Like, not even, like, a, a, a little... But they look perfect. You know what? And, and I'll, I'll concede even further. Yes. Had they moved him back to the pre-Ninja Turtle head scab, uh, shaved Neelix. When I say shaved Neelix. He got the fuck beat out of him. <laughs> Ma <laughs> massive head wound Neelix. Yes. Mass like, yes. Yes. Let me clarify what this guy really looks like. Imagine if there was a Talaxian with a drug problem. <laughs> Okay, and he just stole a TV, but he knew that TV was broken, and then he took it to his drug dealer and tried to pass it off as working material, but New Jack Neelix ain't no fool, and he knows a broken TV when he sees it, and he beat the fuck out of that other Talaxian. That's what Tom looked like in that scene. He looked like a, 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 a Talaxian that crossed New Jack Neelix. But, but yeah, they would have put him at like that half stage, like this is a painful, slow road of recovery, and people are real queasy, and... Oh, God, space horrors are part of Starfleet? Sure, but 
not believe Yeah, that. like some retrospective dialogue of, man, we should have known, we shouldn't have rushed into it. Learned our lesson, didn't we, Tom? We sure did. What a crazy adventure. Like some, some like even mild recognition mm-hmm. of the fact that they put themselves in this, this position. Yeah. Instead, that, no, not themselves, that Tom put everybody and that Tom dragged her off. Yeah. Let's talk about the consent angle real quick. Yeah. You postulated that he just banged her and, and she might have not been down with it. I'm going to say, who knows? Once she hit her enlightened point, like Tom had this weird drive to go out and evolve further. I think that Catherine Janeway probably had the same drive to further her evolution once he poisoned her with it. And it probably was, I'm going to say consensual lizard sex. You say consensual liquor? I was going to, I'm, I, you know, it's impossible to know. It's right. It doesn't say, it, you know, we don't know if it was consensual or non-consensual lizard people sex. Yeah. But what we do During know... During the Sky Wars of 2282-60, <laughs> which was one of their many stops, I think they finally reconciled their differences of the past abductions and made peace and fell in love. <laughs> what we do know, okay. what we can lock down, is that Catherine Janeway gets out of her bio bed, walks right over to Tom and says, Don't worry about it, tiger. I might have forced myself on you. That's what fucking happens. Like, she flirts with him. She flirts with him. She's like, don't worry, buddy. I might have been climbing all over your lizard ass. I could have been the sexually aggressive one. It's fine. It's fine. I no, You know what? I thought I might always have kids. Didn't think it would be with you, partner. But we banged it out. So it's how fine. Many, how many pounds of Federation antidepressants do you think <laughs> you guys are pumped up on to have this, this bonkers ass conversation? And the button they put on the episode is uh, Tom, like, you know, I've always felt like uh, the opinions of other people. And their expectations like, shut the fuck up, the most imp- Stop making this about you. The most important thing, but I think I got a few more barriers to knock down to love myself. <laughs> it's like you just turned into a space lizard. You kidnapped the captain. You may or may not have had consensual lizard sex, created space abomination babies, left them on a random planet. Like, that all just fucking happened to you after you broke physics. But really, you're talking about loving yourself and making sure you really matter to you? Like, really? That's what your fucking lesson what is? What if those little lizard... I'm going to be a Debbie Downer here. What if those little lizard babies, like, were still nursing and needed their mommy? Yeah, they're just dead now. It could be. I, I got three people I'm worried about in this series right now. Well, four, because I care about Ron Suter. <laughs> Five, because I also care about what happens to Dr. Poe a lot. Dr. Pell's at the top of my worry list. These three space babies um, who God knows what happens to them because of uh, police brutality on behalf of Chakotay <laughs> and his whimsical decision to leave him behind. Um, and of course, you know, Harry Kim's real body. I'm, I'm real We're interested about, about what happened to that hero. Floating around in cold of space unceremoniously. No one cared. I'm not being I'm not being smart ass by that dude. That that body deserved better. It did. Um Yeah, again, perfect episode for Q. This this has Q episode written all over it and a perfect cameo at the end of just well, that's why you don't fuck with my stuff. Whoosh! <laughs> you're back and bonus, you get your soul too. And uh have whatever zany dialogue you want because I just made everything cool and I'm out. But instead, 
what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Um, let me let's let's dial it back to what you said earlier. What is commonly referred to as the worst episode of Star Trek ever made? We just watched it, mm-hmm. Peter. Is it the worst episode of Star Absolutely Trek? Absolutely not. Okay. Sad. Absolutely. I think it's a very thought-provoking episode. I think they touch on some really good dark sci-fi concepts. Um, Some weak acting, but some fun shots. Uh, Interesting. We're sitting at an hour and a half, and we didn't even do, you know, a cheeky intro on this. Uh, You take this against some of the fucking bottom feeders out of this season, like um, Death Torpedo, Lame... I uh, say Lame House on the Praise, but 37s. I mean, there's just some real stinkers I've already written off. Uh, I'll take this kind of stuff all day, every day. Fair enough. What about um, you? This is, was better than some of the worst stuff we watched. Mm-hmm. Definitely. This was better than Elosion. This was better than Twisted. Yeah. This was better than Lame House on the Prairie. Yeah. Because some of the concepts were interesting, the makeup looked fantastic, and the batshit fucking loco insane ending was hilarious (laughs) to observe the two of you beholding. Like, you didn't seem... I knew Stevie had no idea what was going to happen. You had some idea of what was going on. I knew. To happen. I mean, it's impossible. I've seen people say, like, I wonder what uh, what Janeway's and Paris's space lizard babies are up to. And I'm like, oh, God, what? <laughs> like, I kind of knew where it was steering into. And that wasn't the shocking. The shocking part was just that ba-doop, doop on the end. <laughs> Your, the expressions of the people I got to watch this with was top notch. So, for that, those reasons alone, no. I would say that the perception that tw- that that threshold is the worst episode of Star Trek is completely wrong. I would not even consider it close to the worst episode of Voyager that we watched this season. Yeah, I won't even put it in the worst half. I would yeah, I would I would say that there are at least 5 episodes of Voyager from just season 2 that are worse. It's it's uh insane. Uh it's poorly acted in parts. It's no respect to canon. It has the most batshit, insane, absurd ending. I think you could possibly put it. Uh, it's another episode where there's just the total bottle, but it is engaging and interesting in parts. It has great makeup. It has a couple decent special it's effects. Fun. It's fun. And it's bad in a way that's entertaining, not bad in a way that's miserable. Not and punishing. That, and that makes it better than, than a lot of what we watched. So Certainly... If we were to pick one episode to sit here and watch together in a room, <laughs> short of maybe two picks, which I, I, there might have been stuff being thrown in <laughs> uh, protests. I don't know. I mean, I'll take this. What was the fucking time and again? Any of the fucking time travel episodes out of season oh, yeah. one. This thing beats the hell out of it. Yes. Anybody calling this the worst? Clearly did not see season one voyage. <laughs> no. Clearly did not see fucking 37s. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I agree, and I agree this was the one to watch together, Peter. Yeah. Like, this, I mean, at this least is... this episode had the the personal integrity not to drag Amelia Earhart's name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, when you next hear from us, we'll be uh, we'll be reviewing 
season three, episode one, basics two. Yes. I wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Voyager gets saved by their fucking lizard kids. That <laughs> would be awesome. Tom Paris doesn't get to lax scenes. He comes back with a lizard, but is his children, his children. I hope Tuvix comes back with the children. <laughs> lizard people save them. So we, I bet you there's a real good rule of acquisition for this one. I'm going to have to look this up. I think uh, there's one about sex with the boss. Give me a, Oh, there is. <laughs> oh shit. My phone's off. Hell, you know what? There's a, don't have sex with your boss. That's just life advice. Don't knock your don't, boss up with lizard. Babies. Don't shell shock you your boss. Yeah. Jammer into a shuttle, turn her into a lizard, violate physics, violate physics, and go on centuries of space adventures before depositing your lizard children three days away from Voyager. Man. Um, uh, I guess what we're saying, though, is you should watch Threshold. Absolutely. Like, go watch this. It has to be seen to be believed. And unlike so much more that you've suffered through, you'll have a good time doing it. And... Peter, I had an excellent time doing this with you. Oh, I had a blast. And we will have to find another suitable episode for us to do this with somewhere at point down the road. Until then, this has been Vijay Please, a hateful voice through the Delta Quadrant. See you next time. <laughs>